Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion. And welcome back. We are now at episode 7 of the F1 2024 car launch mini series. And in today's episode, we are going to be reviewing the Ferrari SF24. That's right, it is the turn of Ferrari after unveiling their 2024 car in a very unorthodox fashion. It must be said, I mean, we often usually get this huge ceremonial presentation that only Ferrari seems to be able to know how to do their way. And last season, we were pleasantly surprised by having a live shakedown during the car launch where we got to see the SF23. This year, however, was probably even more surprising in the fact that we didn't get any of that. We didn't even get a regular presentation. We didn't even see the car live. All we got was a small 90-second teaser video, like we have seen for some of the other teams as well, of the new renders of the new car rather than seeing it in its physical form. Now, of course, Ferrari did a shakedown later on at Fiorano and we saw some clips from fans that attended the event or watching outside the Fiorano circuit based at Maranello and of course we got to see some pictures of the car as well. So yeah very very surprising must be said very un-Ferrari-like. I'm I'm almost wondering if uh, these uh, launch costs or the presentations that you normally expect to get from them are baked into the cost cap whatsoever. As I said, I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that. I mean, I imagine they wouldn't be, but if they are, then perhaps that's why all the teams are doing stuff like this this year, or at least the majority of them are. I think the only exceptions would be that of Williams, of course, when they did their pre-recorded interviews. And of course, we had the stake team as well doing a live launch to memory. So I think those were the only ones we've seen so far at this point that have actually done their own live launches of the car. Whereas Ferrari have followed suit. And yeah, I... I can only imagine, and this is based on something I saw on social media, and I can't remember who put it out, but for years, people always often say, just show us the car. Where is the car already? Well, Ferrari wasted absolutely no time, and they showed us the car straight away, and that was it. It was 90 seconds, launch over, we get on with our days. So that's a little bit of a tidbit moan out of the way, but that being said, this car looks absolutely breathtaking. Now, 
for those of you that follow this podcast and you know know what I'm about in terms of my F1 interest, you all know that I'm going to love the Ferrari. It's it's my team, so I'm always going to love this car perhaps a little bit more than the others do, but that's understandable. That being said, this car does look stunning. I was kind of um, to and from in over whether or not I like this more than the SF23 and even the F175 that have come that came before it, and after. A little bit of thought and looking at the images, I do like this more. I know some people probably don't, but I do like this more. I, I love the fact that this livery is a lot of red. And I know that sounds silly because a Ferrari is always going to be red other than that one year where there was green on it. We're not going to talk about that so much. We uh, often forget that year. But this year, the car does look absolutely stunning. There is more red on this car than there was last year. There was a lot of carbon uh, paint or carbon on this car can't think of the right way to put that but there was a lot of carbon on that car last season and this year in particular there is still some carbon there but uh, that's mostly on the the sort of slide pods or water slides that you can see at the rear of the car but most of it is red looks great you've got the ferrari writing on the rear wing which is what we wanted to see and you've got some nice yellow and white racing stripes which of course is to pay homage to the ferrari 499 which won at le mans last season in the World Endurance Championship. So I like that Ferrari have gone for that. And I think those racing stripes do add a nice touch to this car. It's it's weird to describe it, but if you've seen the renders or you've seen the pictures, I think majority of you will agree that this livery absolutely slaps. It looks fantastic. And I've got to say, it's one of my favourite looking Ferraris in a long time. I just hope that she is fast. But so far, so good from Ferrari. It's a little bit unconventional to what we might expect from them, but I do like what they've gone for this season. I think someone hilariously pointed out that uh, it looks a little bit like a Lightning McQueen kind of car. I'm pretty sure, I think it was Tom Bellingham from uh, Matt and Tommy, uh, P1 with Matt and Tommy. He actually did a, an updated version of the Ferrari livery with the number 95 that Lightning McQueen drives with in the cars films if you are familiar with that which was quite hilarious because it did fit quite nicely on the um on the airbox area which is a bit plain because there's a lot of sponsors on this car it's quite busy in certain areas and that airbox area at the side um that is quite empty so i'm wondering if someone might do something about that ferrari going forward if they have any more sponsors they want to put on the car now of course the majority of you that are listening to this and following the Ferrari story will be more interested, I imagine, in the details on the car. What has changed? Now, Fred Vasseur, the team principal, said that this car would be 95% different. And after looking at the renders and what I've been able to pick out, I can understand where he is coming from on this. Ferrari very much evolving this car to a degree, but it's more of a revolution. And this is based on the upgrades that they were making throughout the majority of the 2023 season, mostly post the Spanish Grand Prix, where they introduced those upgrades to the side pods, which was very much not necessarily aimed at performance, but it was more set to improve the car based on the new concept that they had embarked on, which was more in line with what Red Bull had been doing, what Aston Martin had done, and of course what Mercedes and McLaren were doing as well throughout the season. So Ferrari have very much evolved with that concept in mind. And looking at the front of the car, the first area that I want to pick out, you can see the nose is very different to what we saw on the SF23. It's very much more, uh, what's the right word, rounded and a bit more square 
I suppose, and it's not necessarily an oxymoron, is it? Uh, no, not really. But anyway, I, I digress. The Yeah, it's very much in line with what Red Bull will have been doing, which is good to see. Interesting at the front wing, two things I've noticed on the front wing that is quite interesting. The sort of main plane area, there was a slot gap on this Ferrari uh, main plane at the front wing, separating the nose and the main plane of the front wing. There's a huge gap in there, which of course is to incorporate the airflow that's coming through underneath in that gap and through to the floor of the car which of course with these ground effect cars is going to be oh so important in terms of generating downforce and performance the ferrari have very much gone aggressive on that particular juncture and um yeah that looks to be an improvement so far i've noticed as well there were the the veins that you would have on the uh sort of the rear planes on the front wing those have gone and they've been replaced by sort of support structures on the front wing. And Ferrari were probably one of the only teams that had those veins on the front wing uh, towards the back end of last season. Those have now gone. So clearly they didn't have the desired effect or Ferrari have redesigned this car to such a degree where that's not necessarily needed anymore. Of course, you know, like we've seen with a lot of other teams, I'm expecting some front wings to be different to how they are in the renders to where they're going to be in testing. Maybe Ferrari will reveal more in pre-season testing and in the first few races when, of course, more updates come on this car, as I'm sure they very much will. Looking at the suspension, now the they've gone with something a bit different to what I was expecting. They've gone with the push rod at the front and the pull rod at the rear, which is the opposite to what everybody else has been doing. Uh, everyone's been going pull at the front and push at the rear. So despite the fact that Ferrari have gone against the grain here, there's probably a good reason why they've done that. And I imagine it's to do with preserving the straight line speed that they have been really working hard on over the last few years to try and have an advantage in that regard. And we've seen that that served them quite well. So they probably wanted to retain that, but they've reconfigured the rest of the car by the looks of it to try and counter the aero loss that they obviously will receive by not going with the push rod at the rear of the car. So they've gone opposite to what everybody else has been doing. So that'd be quite interesting to see how that goes for Ferrari going forward. Um, looking at the uh, the centre part of the car now, I want to draw some special attention to the halo area because this was an area that Ferrari said, and I think it was Enrico Cardilla, I might be wrong, um, the head of chassis on this car that mentioned this, but I think the halo that Ferrari mentioned is a bit of a revolution something that perhaps not many teams have thought of, if any at all. We'll have to wait and see what the others have done in terms of the aero stuff. Now, if you cast your mind back to last season, the FTF 23 did have some aero bits hanging on the edges and on top of the halo. It looks to me like Ferrari have done away with that. Of course, we'll have to wait and see if that is the case in testing. But it's a different sort of angle, which I'm sure is legal and it's passed all the crash tests. I mean, it must have done. Um, so it'll be quite interesting to see how that plays out. It's nice and red on the outside. They've uh, done away with the carbon and black. It, it, there is a bit of it on the inside of it uh, that you'll see when you're watching the Ferrari in the onboards. But from the outside, it's got the red halo back like it had in 2018. And we all know how good that car was to a certain degree. So hopefully this one will follow suit. Going to the airbox area. Again, Ferrari have kept with that sort of A but more triangular shape. It's uh, a bit like what Haas have done, but it's a much smaller inlet. So hopefully that means the cooling issues on the Ferrari have been uh, resolved or at least improved upon over the winter. It does look a tighter package than 
the previous uh, cars over the last couple of years have been. So obviously that's got to be good news, especially with Ferrari having traditionally a smaller gearbox normally than the others do, which of course we know has some advantages, but of course does have some weaknesses as well. So hopefully for their sake, they have addressed that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking at the side pods now, and like a lot of the other teams have done, they've got the underbite inlet on the side pod as well. So very much taking inspiration from what Red Bull have been able to do, but of course putting their own spin on it. And there's a huge area underneath the side pods and where the rear of the side pods are sort of connected to the floor in a different way to how they were last season. There's so much more space underneath, just like what the Aston Martin have done and um, with the AMR24, and that's going to allow Ferrari to generate more airflow in and around the car, the outwash kind of concept, and uh, to support the airflow at the rear of the car as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how that works for Ferrari, but that looks like a good step uh, as well. And then, of course, we've got the water slide side pods. Now, to describe these, because I haven't really done a great job, it's kind of, imagine just a water slide or something like that going into a pool, very small one and you sit at the top of the side pods and then it just kind of te- teeters down as you slide all the way down at a rear angle it's not as sharp as what we've seen from Aston Martin and Alpine um, they've gone very aggressive on this and uh, Ferrari seemed to have done similar to what we saw on the RB19 where it's not necessarily uber aggressive but it's a bit more of a halfway house if you like so um, we'll see how that goes as uh, as the season goes on if Ferrari decide to stick with that particular idea but that's a big change that was something that they embarked on towards last season and uh, they've obviously continued with that I also noticed that the s-duct area is still there now I'm going to try and describe this as best I can so the s-duct inlet seems to be underneath where the side pod underbite inlet is and that feeds through to some small slots at the bottom of where others on the sides where the air box is above the side pod at the top now I don't think many teams have gone with this, or at least none that I've seen so far have included this. So it'll be interesting to see if that works. I mean, Ferrari did have the S-Duck on the previous cars, so obviously they feel that that's certainly something they want to continue with going forward as well. So that would be interesting. And that was pretty much all that I've noticed so far. Um, obviously, you've got those sort of cannony looking bulges on the where the airbox is and feeding over to the engine cover where you can see the slots on the car there's less of them now so again you know the, the cooling issues might be improved for ferrari but uh, that seems to be something that a lot of the teams are doing and it's a bit bulkier on or more defined in the side pod area as well so it's a much more tightly packaged car um so it, it looks pretty good as i said this ferrari does look very very different to its predecessor and you know a lot of people have been saying is this going to work for them? Will they be able to get to grips with what Red Bull have been trying to do, make it their own and improve upon that? Because they don't want to just copy what Red Bull are doing. The aim at Ferrari this season, from what Fred Vassero has been saying, from what both the drivers, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc have been saying, is that Ferrari have wanted to create a car that obviously improves on everything it's been doing and you know make the car better 
in so many different areas. But more importantly, it's about improving its sensitivity to changeable conditions or, you know, being consistent at more circuits under different circumstances and being much more uh, easier to drive, I think is the phrase that's been used a lot. And, you know, both the drivers have said that if the car is much easier to drive and more consistent, and more predictable, that's going to allow them as drivers to extract more out of it. So clearly, Ferrari have had some correlation issues in terms of being able to produce on the track what they are seeing in the simulator. So that's going to be their aim, similar to what Mercedes have had problems with over the last couple of seasons. If they can do that, they're obviously going to be in a much stronger position compared to the competition heading into this season. Now, does that make it a challenger for Red Bull? Hard to say. I think if you compared the SF24 to the RB19, there's probably a reasonable suggestion here that, you know, Ferrari, maybe Aston Martin, what Mercedes produced tomorrow with the W15 when that's unbound, as well as the McLaren. Yes, of course, you can make an argument to say they would be better than the RB19. But the, the question will be, where does it stack up to the RB20? And... That ultimately is going to be a question that we will have an answer to very, very soon. And that's a huge mammoth task. Most people, myself included, feel that Ferrari aren't going to be in that mix in terms of whether they can beat Red Bull. Um, But I don't think anybody's really going to be in that position. So for what it's worth, I think Ferrari are definitely probably the most likely team to challenge Red Bull. I know the jury's kind of out on that one and some people think Mercedes, some people might think McLaren could be that team. I think from what we saw in the back end of last season, Ferrari do look like the team that are in the best position to challenge Red Bull. But I, I don't think realistically that's going to happen. I think they'll be much more competitive in that regard. But again, it depends on what Red Bull produce when the RB20 finally breaks cover and uh, I think some people saw online that it was doing its shakedown at Silverstone today which uh, took some of the headlines away of course naturally Um, but of course we'll have to wait and see what happens in pre-season testing and see what Ferrari do up from now until the first race of the season. Now talking about the drivers before we sign off for this particular episode big season for both drivers for very different reasons. And I kind of alluded to this when we did the episode with Sam Cooper about assessing Red Bull's challenges and we talked about Ferrari, that which went out earlier this week. And I personally feel that even though Carlos Sainz, who we'll start with, is leaving the team at the end of the season when his contract expires, and of course we know Hamilton is going to be coming into the team in 2025, and exciting as that is, Carlos whilst he has a lot of credit and a lot of stock in the bank over his credentials as a driver, and of course a lot of teams are going to be interested in that, I do feel that he really needs to use this season as a platform to really showcase that there are absolutely no doubts that no matter what happens in the driver market, he is one of the leading drivers that everybody's going to want in their car. Now we know that Red Bull are turning their attention towards Alex Albon for 2026, who currently has a contract with Williams up until the end of 25. Whether that means Perez stays in the car in 25 or they promote Ricardo, we'll have to wait and see. But that particular seat seems to be out of reach for Carlos. Mercedes at this point in time, kind of talked about this yesterday with the Aston Martin episode. I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. I feel that Kimi Antonelli seems to be plan A. But a lot of dominoes have to fall in his direction for that to come true. Fernando Alonso seems to be plan B. Maybe there's room for Carlos Sainz in that equation if, you know, Fernando's not really a viable option for McLaren. We'll just have, uh, for Mercedes, I should say, we should see. So 
maybe Aston Martin, maybe Stake before they eventually become Audi. Those seem to be the teams that will be keeping tabs on Carlos Sainz that are realistic options for him going forward. So this is a big season for him to really prove his mettle. He's been a good servant at Ferrari. You know, he won the Grand Prix last season that Red Bull didn't win. So there's a lot to be said for that. And I think throughout his time at Ferrari, I can't honestly say Leclerc has looked that much better than him. I know we talk about the peaks that Leclerc offers and what he can do behind the wheel that very few drivers can match. But I think in terms of consistency and racecraft and intelligence and reliability, Carlos is up there with almost anybody on the grid. So, you know, I think it speaks volumes, the fact that Ferrari were quite happy to keep him on. And the only driver or caliber of driver that is capable of shifting him out of that situation and the team when he was in a good place there was someone like a Lewis Hamilton. And I think there has to be a lot said for that. So I hope Carlos has a great season. As for Charles Leclerc, he also needs to have a great season. Now, from what we've been hearing about this new SF24 car, from what Fred Vasseur has been saying, from what Leclerc has been saying, from what Carlos has been saying, all the characteristics of these car have been designed with Carlos in mind to a degree, but more so with Charles, I believe, because we saw towards the back end of last season from the Japanese Grand Prix, Ferrari introduced upgrades, which made the car much more predictable. It made it easier to drive and more consistent. And I think that's where we saw the best of Charles Leclerc, where he didn't have to wrestle the car or struggle with it. He could just get down, get his head down and really extract the maximum performance out of it. And we know Charles is world class. We know he's capable of getting that pole position. We know he's capable of winning races when things go his way. As I said, he was very unlucky in Vegas. He should have won that race. Um, but he was very unfortunate of how the race played out and things went against him in that regard. For this season, however, the mistakes need to be eradicated. He needs to be much more consistent and reliable. And hopefully this car will allow him to show that. I certainly believe he's capable of doing that. Ferrari is certainly confident in that because they've committed him to a five-year deal, albeit there are potentially some release clauses earlier than that. But it seems that this car is a huge step in the right direction from what we've been hearing and from what we've seen on the renders. We just have to hope as Ferrari fans and, you know, F1 fans as well in general, because I think majority of F1 fans, whether you like Ferrari or you don't like Ferrari or Sebastian Vettel once famously said, everybody is a Ferrari fan. That's why Lewis is coming as well. He likes Ferrari too, you know. So I think everybody will be hoping Ferrari will be in the mix this season and be a much more serious challenge to Red Bull. How serious they will be obviously remains to be seen, but it's going to be a big season all round for everyone at Ferrari. And I tell you what, if the car is as fast as she is beautiful, then Ferrari could be on course to having a very, very good season. So as always, guys, make sure to follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform for more great content from us. And of course, if you think we are worthy, please do leave us a five-star review on your favorite pod platform. It really does help us out and it allows us to get the podcast to many more wonderful F1 fans like yourself out there and helps us grow the DNF1 community. In tomorrow's episode, we are going to be covering the Mercedes W15. And again, like the Ferrari, this is a car I'm sure a lot of F1 fans, especially if you're a Mercedes fan, have been looking forward to seeing. It's going to be a lot changed on that car. I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait to talk about it in tomorrow's episode with you. But until then, guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, please stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care.
Podcast Network.